Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and today to discuss Psalm 5, Maddie Trivets is joining us. She is our new youth director here at Granite Springs Church, new being a relative term. She's been here for a few months now. But she recently graduated with her Master's of Divinity degree from Princeton Theological Seminary and then made the holy pilgrimage back to Lincoln with her husband Kyle and son Theodore. She asked me to include in this introduction that she does not know Hebrew, but Hebrew scholar or not, you're going to be grateful that she joined the podcast for this conversation. So here's Maddie reading Psalm 5. Psalm 5. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful you, Lord, detest. But I, by your great love, can come into your house. In reverence I bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with malice. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they tell lies. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Maddie, welcome to Curious Psalms. Thanks, Matt. I'm excited to be here. I am grateful that you're here and willing to have this conversation about Psalm 5 with us. Hebrew scholar or not. (laughs) Definitely not. I did (laughs) watch a lot of friends struggle through Hebrew, though. Okay. But that yeah, that counts for something. (laughs) The good news is the good news is for us we have lots of English translations to draw on with lots of people who are excellent Hebrew scholars and not even amateurs, right? Well, Maddie, we have our three questions that we bring to all these psalms, and so let's just begin with our first question. I want to hear from you. What stood out to you in reading this psalm? Yeah, I mean, I think that we all can probably notice sort of the harsher language that's used to describe some of these people that the psalmist is talking about this these lines like not a word from their mouth can be trusted their heart is filled with malice their throat is an open grave with their tongues Mm -hmm. they tell lies i think it's hard for that not to stick out it's pretty (laughs) harsh language but there's also I think that we begin with 
the psalm is sort of setting us up for lament. Like verse one, consider my lament, hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. So this is really someone, I think, shouting out for help. It's someone who's desperate and feeling attacked and feeling maybe even scared. But I like this line, hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray that our prayer can be a cry, even just a cry for help. Mm. Maybe that's sometimes all we can pray for, but to just, and it's not even really praying for anything. It's simply crying out to God. But I think that's a really beautiful way that we start in this psalm, that we're we're simply crying out to God in prayer. Use the word desperate to describe kind of the psalmist state, so to speak, here. And one interesting part is verse three is in the morning, Lord. This is this is the sort of opening prayer of the day, which you have to be in a particular kind of desperate state for this prayer to be your opening prayer, right? It's not, oh, thank mm-hmm. you, Lord, for a new day. I feel so refreshed <laughs> after a night's sleep. It's <laughs> Okay, here I am. It's 7 a.m. Hear my call. Like, hear my cry, Lord. Things are not good. I think, yeah, that word desperate kind of maybe helps encapsulate certainly the spirit behind this whole psalm. I was struck by, and I I can't take credit myself, in reading a commentator pointing out sort of the some of the hospitality imagery here. So in verse 4, the contrast between, with you, evil people are not welcome. But then verse seven, but I, by your great love, can come into your house. And this theme of divine hospitality and the welcome that's extended or not extended stood out to me as both a way of drawing a strong contrast. But I was really struck by that line, verse seven, but I, by your great love. In other words, uh, the psalmist is clearly expressing himself as the one committed to God. <laughs> David's clearly saying, I'm I'm on board here with you, God. We are simpatico. Like I can come into your house. But it's not because of his works or his great deeds. It's ultimately because God is willing to welcome him by his great love. And that particular line stood out to me because I think often kind of reading the Old Testament, it can be easy to draw false dichotomies between sort of our Old and New Testament understanding. Sometimes we think like, The Old Testament was all about sort of achieving and following the laws and all these things. But really, it's permeated by grace throughout. And here in this simple kind of spot, but I, by your great love, not not by anything else, but by God's love can come into your house. That really kind of struck me. Yeah, I feel like we could probably just wrap up the podcast now because that was going to be my second point. (laughs) My answer to the second question. So well, I agree. I'm happy, I'm happy to steal. I'm happy to steal all your thoughts, Maddie. Well, let's move on to the second question. And you can maybe expand on what I'm saying. What do we learn about God from this psalm? So also in the, the NRSV translation, verse 7 says, But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter oh, wow. into your house. And I love that use of abundance. That uh-huh. it is only only by this overwhelming, abundant, ever-flowing love of God that we can come before him. And that verse 8, lead me, Lord, in your righteousness. Make your way straight before me. So it's not the psalmist, it's not David's righteousness that makes him 
holy or mm. able to stand before God, but that it is the Lord's righteousness and this abundance of love that we are then welcomed into his house and into his presence. Without that, then we could also be the evil people or the arrogant or the ones whose throats are an open grave and whose tongues tell lies. I think there's a big part of human nature and humankind that tempts us to be that way. And I I have those moments where, I mean, maybe not quite so dramatically, but I'm sure <laughs> there are moments when not a word from my mouth can be trusted, right? But yeah. that by God's great love and this abundant, steadfast love that I am still welcomed into God's house. And yeah, I love that imagery of divine hospitality that you brought up. This welcome that comes not from our own doing our own works, but God alone. I was struck by my king and my God. This goes back to verse two. You were talking about those opening words and kind of in reading it afresh, I again, kind of reflecting with the help of some commentators, that's covenantal language, which I think is really easy to miss from our context where sort of, oh my God is like the like the shock the kind of like it's just a statement that's part of our cultural parlance right but here it's covenantal language this is the god who doesn't belong to you possessively but who you have committed to and who is committed to you and so one sort of thing i was like oh i need to keep an eye out when i read the psalms for these places where it's my god because that is actually indicating something different And the entire psalm is predicated on that relationship. I mean, these are the layers of the psalms, right? In a word or two in a verse, you have this kind of entire way of thinking. I'm I'm wondering, this is a little unfair, Maddie, but I want to spring an extra question on you. You know, I've talked about covenant. You talked about kind of the, the loving welcome of God and the abundance of your steadfast love, I think, was from the translation you read. How does that work? How does that work itself out? for us? How does it look when we hold on to that as a truth? In other words, not only what do we learn about God, but how does that impact us? That's a great question. I mean, I think, I don't know, I keep going back to now verse 11, because we're starting out with this covenant that it's my God, my King and my God. And I love that, that you brought that up, Matt, that this is, this is David's God and David's king, and this is our king, like this is Maddie's Mm. king and Maddie's God. But then kind of towards the end, it's an invitation, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. So then Mm -hmm. it's like this invitation that goes beyond sort of more of a you know, my God covenant and into this, like all who take refuge, let's sing for joy together, spread your protection over all, all who take refuge in you. And then, so that's sort of a roundabout way of answering your question too. But I also think that maybe, maybe residing in this place of great love, abundant love is knowing that we have a place to go for refuge or knowing that we are protected. There's like sort of this protection piece in verse 11, like that we are safe, that we are 
covered in God's love. But then there's a response to that, which is like, sing for joy and rejoice. So I think Mm -hmm. maybe knowing that we are abundantly loved by God and that we are welcomed into God's house because of God's love means, one, that we can rest in this assurance, rest in this protection and this grace, take refuge in it in the midst of difficult seasons, Mm -hmm. like right now. (laughs) But then our response to that then is to rejoice and to have joy and to sing with joy. Joy being something, you know, that permeates circumstance, but that we can sing with joy even when we're standing in the presence of our enemies or the bloodthirsty and deceitful, as David describes here, that despite all that, we find refuge in God and we sing God's praises. I love that you took us to the end of this psalm and this idea of refuge, because it seems like even in circumstances that are beyond our control, so often the human condition is marked by striving, right? Trying to Mm. achieve some kind of, well, essentially we're trying to achieve some kind of rest or stability. And the broken version of that is that we're doing that on our own kind of strength and for ourselves. But the fact that we get to rest, we get to stop striving. That just feels like such a refreshing, a refreshing kind of thing to be able to do. We're speaking here kind of late 2020. So this season feels like it's uniquely challenging, (laughs) but every season, right? Like even if everything was going smoothly and easily in our world, we would still be filled with striving Mm -hmm. for for rest, for refuge from something. There's always the next thing Mm -hmm. that comes up in our lives. So thanks for making Mm -hmm. that connection for me. That was really helpful. Let's ask our last question, shall we? How does this song help us to pray? I think I actually want to go back to, you brought up verse three, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In Mm. the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. I think we all maybe sort of have our own theology about prayer and what prayer Mm. does. I took a class in seminary. This will make me sound way smarter than I probably am. It's called Divine Omniscience and Human Freedom. Oh, wow. And actually, this is kind of funny coming full circle. For our final project, my two classmates and I made a podcast to kind of like break down what it even means to have human freedom in the midst of divine omission. But we talked about Boethius, who thinks that prayer is virtue formation, and that the point of prayer is really to form the individual and the community to be more Mm -hmm. like Christ and to be more formed in Christ-likeness. So that prayer doesn't necessarily change God's mind, although we see examples of that, especially in the Old Testament. So I think that's It's possible. But I think that verse three, that we lay our requests before God, we cry out to God, even if it's first thing in the morning, but then we wait expectantly. I think that's a really wonderful picture of what prayer looks like, that it's crying out to God. It's being totally authentic. It's saying whatever seems to be on your heart and mind. It's kind of using pretty harsh language even. It's Mm. being fully authentic, fully yourself, and then waiting expectantly to see how God will work in the midst of that. And who knows, you know, obviously, who knows what (laughs) prayer does in that sense. But I think this 
expectant waiting can be a really helpful posture, especially like you mentioned, we're at the end of 2020. It's been a a really difficult season for the world, honestly, as well as, you know, individuals suffering. And it might be difficult to wait expectantly, but that there is this posture of like, okay, God is doing something here. I'm going to be fully myself. I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to cry out when I need help. And then I'm going to wait and trust in this God who promises to give us refuge, who promises to protect us, who promises to surround us with a shield. And then I'm going to wait and see what that God does. Mm. It's not a passive waiting, though, is it? It's kind of a throwing yourself onto the covenant God. As I was thinking about how this psalm helps us to pray, I was trying to process kind of the the vindictive nature (laughs) of this psalm and how to process. Yeah, declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. And, you know, I'm no expert in what this means for our prayer life, but... As people who follow Jesus, who calls for us to pray for our enemies, we, sh- we can feel attention here. And I think it's appropriate for us to feel attention here. But that tension should not mean that we dismiss the language of the Psalms. I was struck that in these Psalms, we should seek not necessarily permission to sort of curse our enemies, but that we should seek trajectories of longing. So in other words, what David is longing for here is is justice. He is longing for a world that is marked by truth and not false propaganda against him. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if we pray not so much against our enemies, although God can certainly handle our honest processing of the people in our lives who cause trouble or cause challenge, but that we pray with the trajectory, Lord, this is so frustrating. I want it to be different. Would you make it different? And God can handle our honesty if we say, like, the only way I can see that being different is, like, take that person away. He can handle that Mm -hmm. truth. But that we're praying more into the restoration of the world. We're praying more into a longing for justice. That's some of how I've been processing. Maybe that will change as I keep reading the Psalms. But that trajectories of longing phrase has kind of stuck with me as maybe a way Mm -hmm. to kind of help us enter these. So it doesn't just feel like we're skipping over sort of the challenging language of the Psalms, but we're seeing it as both expressing a deep honesty and a deep longing. And we join with the Psalmist in that longing. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that's really good. I really appreciate the, I think, attention you're calling to this cry for justice. I think I wrote, this teaches us kind of this deep honesty that you're pointing to, but that we can be authentic in our prayer enough that like you probably shouldn't call your neighbor that has like that opposing political sign on your block like you probably shouldn't tell them their heart is full of malice but if that's really what you're feeling then yeah god can handle it and i think and even going back to sort of what does prayer do right i think when you start to pray for justice when you start to even pray for your enemies when you can move past the point of name calling maybe, and you can Mm -hmm. really start to desire that they would experience the love of God, experience restoration, that then you too are formed into a better neighbor, you know? And so I think, I think that's really helpful, this trajectories for longing that you're bringing up and also this reality that, yeah, we can be deeply honest 
with God. We shouldn't speak about people like this to one another, but <laughs> that's part of being human is feeling these things and experiencing yeah. these things and and God can handle it. God can handle our most honest language. Mm-hmm. More honest than we even should be with other people. Is that's really right. I love I love the way you put that. That's so helpful because I think sometimes we think God deserves our most polished language and sort of everyone else is going to get mm-hmm. us lashing out. And God mm-hmm. can absorb and handle our our rawest language, our rawest emotion. It's actually our neighbors who need to be protected. <laughs> it's, it's almost a reversal yeah. of the ways we sometimes have conversations. Maddie, I think we did it. I think we exhausted Psalm 5, all the depths and knowledge <laughs> that's there. <laughs> Nothing else ever needs to be said on this psalm. We've covered that's, it. That's right. No, I'm really grateful for this conversation. You know, you read the psalm multiple times and you... I'm sure this is your experience too. All the things that stand out to you stand out. And then someone else comes alongside and says, oh, well, what about this? Or did you see this? And you're like, I saw that. I did not see it in that way. And so it's always helpful Mm. to have more than one voice and grateful for your particular voice and the thoughtfulness you brought to this conversation. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for this conversation. Well, friends, with these words from Psalm Five, spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms. Mm-hmm.